You either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. Welcome to the So Wizards Podcast. Uh, I'm Kevin Broom, Ronald Cunningham, and Oscar Bake. And this is part of the Bullets Forever three-point play where we talk about a topic of wizard, Wizards-related uh, here on the podcast. Uh, then we throw it to a roundtable of, of you know, Bullets Forever staff, and then we kick it to you, the fans, uh, to uh, argue about it on social media, which you're probably already doing, considering our topic today is Bradley Beal. So Oz, I'll kick it to you and let you uh, tee it up. Yeah, thanks, Kev. Um, so we wanted to, we've been doing the three-point play, and we've had some topics. We've talked about uh, uh, Kyle Kuzma's uptick in play. We've talked about the rotation. And it's I, I'll call, I, kind of all dancing around the main topic, which is always oh, just comes down to Beal. Now, we've, I think we've tried to, Kev, we talked about this. We tried to avoid having a Beal-centric discussion because the decision in our minds, and we'll talk about this further, has kind of been made that he is, one way or another, he's going to be signed to an extension is what I guess we're all guessing here. That being said, after the epic collapse against the Clippers, with the way the team is trending, some of the comments afterwards, and where they stand now in the play-in stand, they, like they're not even guaranteed to be a play-in team. We think it's, it's, it's time to have a Beal-centric discussion, talk about all things like uh, Beal's play, Beal's fit in the organization long-term, who do they need to put around him? Let's just get it all out. Let's put it all out there. Let's come to our final conclusion on what we would do or what we opine they should do with Brad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So, um, yeah. So, Ron, I'm going to toss it to you. Lead off. You're, you're our Ricky Henderson today. All right, perfect. Uh, shout out Oakland, Ricky Henderson. Um, My all-time favorite baseball player. But anyway, go ahead. Okay, okay. I thought you were going to say Barry Bonds. Like, you know, they just – No, no, no. I love Ricky. Hold on. I love Ricky in part because, one, he is truly one of the all-time greats. But, two, okay. he believes firmly – that he is the greatest player. And if you yeah, yeah, yeah. want to know, just ask him. Yeah, no, he has uh, he has a great confidence about him. Shout out Juan Soto. That's my current favorite player. He'll, he'll be an all-time. Um, okay, so with Bill, I, I think like on, on an earlier podcast with uh, like uh, Ben Becker, like your, your old like co-host, um, I said like Bill is coming to his, uh, how do you put it, like, I don't want to say Batman moment, but he's coming to his moment where it's like you either die a hero or live long enough to, I mean, you either live long enough to be a hero or you become the villain. Right. And right now he's, he's villainized in the streets of uh, DC. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm open to jump on that. Like, Hey, you're not that guy, buddy wave with Bill because like his play has declined substantially um since from the past two years but then like when you take the emotion out and you look at it rationally I look at it as like yo we we've set Bill up for failure we haven't put players around him that what's the word uh allow him to be as great as he possibly can like players around him are not deferring to him players around him are not like let's do the little work so Bill can look better for us. Like we're, we're surrounded by players who have their own agendas as Bill alluded to uh, players who put simply are trying to get paid 
Bill's trying to get paid. He's also along with that group. But as I said, it's almost like a certainty that we'll, we'll bring him back and pay him uh, as close as possible to that super max, right? So so that's how I look at it. Like, um, so Brad, if you ever do listen to this, like, please understand, like, I feel you. Like, you are really in that. Do you do you die a hero or have you stayed long enough to be the villain in DC? And if you are villainized, like what are some of the issues that are going into it? So roster construction is obviously, first of all, like first and foremost, um, we haven't really put him in a position to succeed. Like, I mean, if you think about his ascension into the top, I know Kev, you probably feel he's like a top 30 player as opposed to like a top, 15 to 20 player oh lower oh wow this season he's lower yeah okay okay so this season he's lower but like as you know I, I saw a tweet and it said like hey Bill may be uh the only actually it wasn't a tweet it was uh, a comment on your post on Bullets Forever and it was like Bill may be the worst franchise like he may be the only franchise player that teams have like totally bottled a build around and, and I agree with that. Like, we've never surrounded him with players where he's allowed to to just be the guy, right? Like, he's he's always had to deal with, like, ulterior motives. Like, see John Wall, see when we had, like, the Austin Rivers, Trevor Ariza days. Like, we we've all, we all keep surrounding him with players who, who are trying to get paid, and we hope that that vet experience, those expiring contracts will, I guess, like, cobble together and form, like, a, a cohesion chemistry. And it just hasn't happened. So uh, in spite of all that, uh, where I come down to, if I had the GM cap on, I'm getting him up out of here. Like I'm trading him away today, not because he's not getting the job done, just because like if I'm GM, I fell in building around him. And if if the failure is on my hand, I don't want to then put it onto the player like, hey, you have to go make wonders with a guy whose ACL is, you know, not con- not cooperating. Like that's unfit. Or like, hey, you're you're all third, all you're all NBA player on the third team. Um, let me put you around players who are just trying to get their third contract. Like I, I don't think that's fair to him as well. So I would get rid of him. I've spoken in the past about how. I think Jalen Brown is perfect for this city, uh, the political background, the Berkeley background, but I'm biased in that sense. Um, I've also looked into some trades where maybe he goes and goes to Miami and we get uh, we get Caleb, not the, the Martin, the Martin due back, the Strauss due back, it may be Tyler Hero, like good complimentary players who will play hard, take what they learned in Miami and bring it up to the District of Columbia. So something like that. So um, again, to recap this uh, tangent, on the one hand, I feel like we we failed them. We haven't built around Bill, but on the other, in the ultimate decision, I would get him up out of here, get assets, and let's hope that the next ten years of the franchise will be better than the previous ten years when we've had Bill. What say you all? So I am not really a pro Beal person. I think anyone who follows me on Twitter knows that. It's not oh, that I don't, think, I don't think that they, he's obviously a good player and I, I'm not as harsh on him in terms of where he kind of ranks as a player. I remember I tweeted out from Bullets Forever. Oh, he's probably 
in that 15 to 25. I used that as like a loose range. It wasn't really the point of the tweet. And then it became like an argument about where he is on the list with some people putting him in the, at like closer to 50, some people putting him um, in like the top 10. And I was like, wait, that's not the point. The point is you cannot build around him as if he is the franchise, like sticking on this hero thing. If, if he is, he's not your Batman, he's not a Batman. So okay. if he's not a Batman, um, what are we trying? Why are we trying so hard to build around him? I guess that's my point. Um, especially that we did start, I mean, he did start, the franchise started with the handicap because they had the Supermax contract they had to work around. So even in building around him, uh, they did get out of the wall deal by going to the Westbrook deal and now to the Los Angeles deal, but you still have that pick that's tied up with Oklahoma City now that kind of restricts what we could do. So you're kind of starting from a bad position where we've never had like just Bradley Beal and like a clean cap sheet where you have Bradley Beal, here's a hundred million to spend. How would you build around him? There's always, they've always been started from behind. So I think that even when Wall got hurt and they decided to kind of decided to move on for him, people were saying, let's have for two or three years, I've said, let's just restart in general. Now I wasn't there. I was like, there's no rush. He's under contract. We could at least see if they stumble into some luck but they haven't really stumbled into that luck and it has proved to be too difficult to build around him from that starting point. So uh, if he's not a number one on, a, on not even a championship team, cause it's not like, I, not every franchise's goal is to win a title. It's just to be a good playoff team. But if he's not that player, you can't just keep spending more and more to be the team they are now. And now we've gone from, during the bubble season, they were in the ninth seed. Last year, they were the eighth seed, if I recall correctly. And this season, they're the 10th seed. Brad keeps saying he doesn't want to be playing team, and Atlanta might, might take care of that from him because they've won five in a row, and they're only a half game out of the 10th seed. So, uh, you know, by the end of the weekend, we could be, the, be like the 12th seed in the East and not be a playing team. Oh, we will be that by the end. Yeah. <laughs> like, it, this team is... Uh, we, we, the last podcast, we talked about like Wes Unseld's, uh, perceived or failures, if you will. Like, I, I want to put that in the good spin. We, we talked about his learning, uh, curve. So yeah. let, let's say it at that. And, um, uh, comments that have come out since that debacle, embarrassing 35 point, uh, loss. I, I think that the team like he's lost the the team like the locker room is gone uh the morale is gone the players don't want to play with him so i'm gonna owe kevin some wine but i i think we'll soon be uh 10 games under 500 in no no time this murderer's role is is gonna snatch our souls man it is but it's yeah memphis milwaukee phoenix it's gonna get you know it's it's gonna get even worse yeah Yeah. what's what's kind of amazing about the 35 point come from a head loss blown lead is that it came on the heels of a 29 point loss an embarrassed 29 point loss and i mean i don't know when when back when i played like competitively even losing just just losing not getting blown out but getting blown out was like the the next game out it's like you just wanted to kill the other team and they did that for a half but you don't let up at at halftime you 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 keep going, right? It's like, how, how do you, I, I don't know, I don't, I just don't know how that, just that competitive spirit that, that, that lets you blow a 35 point lead. I mean, you have such a cushion and, uh, you know, I just can't imagine 
you know, coming I, out yeah. the way they did. Well, Kev, isn't, hasn't, that been, hasn't that been kind of an issue since Wall and Beal have been drafted here? Like, there are times where you ex- – they, they pro- their talent has probably been a little overstated, and they were never title yeah, contenders. But, it's a big problem, yeah. Yeah, but there are also moments where you're like – you know, what Ted Leonsis always referred to them as too cool for school, and they were teams that they should have beat. or They, they, they never seemed like they could keep their foot on the gas. Like, as soon as they had any – any success, they would just rest on that and kind of like, you know, ease up. And that's, that was a criticism of them where they were together. And even like you said, they just got blown out by the Celtics They're They've been what 13 and 22 since the 10, 10 and three start. Yeah. And at one half of good basketball, then they let, then they let up again. Yeah. 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 It's um, like the thing with, uh, with what you just referenced that, that like too, too cool thing is the, the way I thought of that and described it uh, in writing in various places was that um, it was like they they felt like if they try like if they played just just you know balls out just played as hard as you can right and it's like they would rather sort of coast and lose than and say well you know we just need to try harder versus like trying their hardest and still losing right which is like okay that that's okay right at least you you competed. You know, and, and that was actually one of the joys of, you know, being a Wizards slash Bullets fan, you know, going back in the day, like it, when Wes Unsell Sr. was the coach and, you know, the team severely lacking in talent, but man, those guys played for him and they competed and yeah. they got beat yeah. over and over again. But I mean, Charles Jones, one of my favorite <laughs> Bullets players. I knew his name was coming I mean, up. Let's be honest. He sucked. Right. He, he was yeah. not a good player, but he fought and he was, you know, six, eight, six, nine, 220 pounds. He'd be like a small forward now. And he's in there battling the centers of the, of the eighties and, and 90s. I mean, and, and those guys were huge. Right. Yeah. And so, I mean, think about it, like going up against MB and he's, he's basically the size of like Jeff green, but, but yeah. thinner, not as strong. So anyway, it's back to Beal, which is kind of the point of this is, I think that what Beal is and Wall was as well to, to an extent, to a similar extent, and that is if they, they are both symptoms of one, the organization's ability to dilute themselves and two, just their overall lack of um, you know, managerial excellence. And what I mean by that is this, is that neither Wall nor Beal was like the, is a guy that you build around in the sense of making them like the linchpin of a high quality unit, right? The two of them together, you know, yeah. Cause they, they had that, uh, that moment where they had some guys where they had, you know, auto quarter playing at a, at a high level. They had those two guys doing the, doing their sort of, you know, one, both of them kind of one B's <laughs> and Gortat rolling to the hoop and Marquise Morris doing whatever it was that Marquise Morris did that, that was helpful at times you know they, they had some guys right and they they won what 49 games that season they won a playoff series and then things fell apart the next season a little bit but neither of those guys was is like a, a franchise player and the wizards won they keep treating them as if they are you know they're, they're basically like prostrating themselves <laughs> begging beal to stay and you know he's he's not um He's, he's just not at that level. I mean, this isn't like you're begging Giannis to stay, right? Mm-hmm. Um, 
It isn't. So, but, so that's one. But the thing what? is, it's like, all right, like I'm with you. Like in, in terms of is like Bill a proverbial number one? Like, no, right? Well, like, see, so and hold on, but this gets to, to the second point, and that is the, their overall talent. I mean, there was a moment where they had Beal, they had Wall, and they had a clean, clean cap sheet, and they used that clean cap sheet to sign Yama Henry and Jason Smith, and I forget who else. Oh, um, Andrew Nicholson. Andrew Nicholson. Yeah. Yeah. It's like what? Yeah, so, that's when the yeah. So you could have got built something around them with a bunch of one Bs and two As and. But that was really when their windows shut because they messed up that opportunity. But, and that's that's another example, though, of they're just managerial yeah. blah. And because, one, they plan to have max cap space in the summer where everybody in the league would have max cap space, even mm-hmm. though they knew and had two years to, to, to do something different. You know, yeah. I mean, Ben Becker and I were talking at the time. I can't remember whether this was on podcast. I think it was. But that... The, the smart move would have been to start acquiring players on under contract under the, the previous one, because we knew the cap was going to spike. And so it's like, go out and get these guys because they instantly become bargains like wall did, for example, you know, where wall signed that uh, contract and then um, the, the cap spiked and suddenly he's, he's at a much lower price relative to production. And he was at a price where it made a lot of sense for, for him. So the point being, and, and then you look at what they've done around Beal since. I mean, they, have, they, they haven't really hit on a draft pick in, in the sense, I mean, like, Avdia is, is, is okay. Uh, Hachimura is you know, kind of okay. I mean, Thomas Bryant is like the, their big scrap heap find. He's become, you know, a, a good offensive center anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and they signed him to a bargain contract. and But, you know, he gets hurt. It's like they're they're not hitting like these on the picks that you need or the even the free agent pickups that you need and yeah they're not even putting themselves in position to because you get a guy like Dinwiddie you pay market price for him he's kind of average you know and he has been average and it, it just goes that way throughout their roster uh, and then you know we, we do this whole narrative about how much depth they have they just have a bunch of mediocre guys and you know, yeah. they, there's nothing wrong with that as players, but it's like you're not building around when you have, um, you know, a, a, a Beal being very good, but as in terms of like a franchise level player, you've got he, you know, he's he's mediocre in that respect and in, in that tier, not even mediocre. He's at the bottom. I mean, it's like I was I've been trying to look at. I'm realizing I'm going on way too long here, but. I've been trying to look at like compare like the top guy of the each team in terms of production with like the number two. What does the rest of the roster look like? One of the problems with that is that Beal's not the most productive guy on the Wizards, right? He he scores a lot because he shoots a lot, but he's you know below average in efficiency. He's he's not the most productive guy on the team. So I'm looking at some ways. I guess in terms of total production, he probably is. So I'll probably do it on that basis. But the point be here being that he, he's not the guy. And the smart move for them is, of course, to trade him. They should have traded him two years ago. Oh, dang. I, that's, that's tough. Like, Bill, if you're listening to this, uh, 
I wouldn't say you're not the guy. Like, you still are one of the most elite basketball players. Very good player. I, I have no no qualms with that. He's a very good player. But yeah, he's not a franchise-level player. It's like, right, like, in terms of franchise-level play, like, player, uh, I guess, like, the standards, like, are amorphous. Like, because, like, what is it, right? Like, Giannis spelled a lot before he came up. Like, Booker – people were like demand a trade from Phoenix before it comes up. So uh, I think like to make a franchise player, it's all about the uh, sum of the parts and therefore like what you put around them. Right. And then if we look at like what we've placed around Bill, I mean, sure. We put him and John Wall together, but that was, we were just Portland East coast version back then, like two undersized or two very uh, short compared to the NBA uh, level because these guys are are their giants to everyone else six, at six three two short guys uh trying to to win against like the six eight lebrons of the world right because that that's what we were trying to to get out of there but right what did cleveland give Kyrie? they put a forward around him a great power forward around him in the center who can protect the league uh what did they build around Giannis, who's a quote unquote like number one shooting around him allow him to do what he's great at what have we put around bill mm-hmm. mediocre players mediocre yes. players who have agendas who who aren't quite who, who aren't quite in tune with like buying into like hey this is bill's team you do you and and i get it right like if, if you're someone i know his name is like treads but i call him trezzle because that l at the end you know like it's <laughs> english lexicon right and, uh, but you have Trezzle, you have Trezzle who's literally playing like our best or second best player. There's no way he's deferring to, you know, he's not going to get in line when he feels like I'm I'm the fifth or sixth hold best on, player. Hold on. hold on. I just I pause here because this is one of the things. I mean, I, I, I agree with a lot of what you're saying. I mean, certainly there are agendas every play. But the thing is, the Wizards are not unique in that regard. Yeah. Every team has that. Um, right. You know, the, the, the Lakers won a championship with a whole bunch of guys on one year deals. Right. And then so much so that they basically a lot of those guys left and got paid and elsewhere. Right. And they had to go out and get a whole new team. Right. This, I mean, is, this is a narrative that kind of comes up every time. Toronto the won a title. Right. Go ahead. You have to like it's basically one of the things where it's easier when you're not succeeding to blame something else, like to Fair blame enough. an outside factor like, oh, it's contracts. Oh, it's a. It's agendas. And when you actually look at the roster, where is the where's the overlap? It's really just at the center position. So, yes, if you want to, we could look at the center position and kind of say, hey, we have we have really well, Gafford's not going anywhere. So, but you have three guys basically competing for playing time that should be going to two guys. At the same time, Montrez and Thomas Bryant have both been have both been pretty good when they've got on the court. The issue is, who do they keep on the court? But now you're hearing oh, it's because we guys are playing for the next contract. The only players who are not under contract are Thomas Bryant and Montrez Harrell. And are we really going to put all of the, this team's problems on the battle for minutes between those two? Especially because- when Montrez came out publicly and said, well, play Thomas ahead of me. You right. Know? Anyway, go ahead. Right. And it's well, not Harrell's. And now Harrell's been playing more than the other two centers. And I think one of the problems, especially against, I think it was Toronto, when they started pounding it inside after we took Gafford out. And that's just not Harold's strength to protect the paint. And even against uh, the Clippers, when you're protecting a 35 point lead, why don't you keep some defense in? 
that's really a coaching decision. Now the coaches are like, oh, we're trying to reintegrate two starters. But one of those starters is Rui, who's really just playing Kuzma's backup minutes. So yeah. there's no issue there. He's playing, yeah. Kuzma's playing 35 minutes. Rui's playing the 13 minutes that he's not on the floor. That's clean. No issue there. Um, it's really an issue with the center position. So they're just trying to like, instead of acknowledging that they're their own shortcomings, they're like trying to pin it on excuses. Now that kind of goes back to a couple of issues that I've had on top of the loss being just terrible against the Clippers. So there were a couple of comments made by Beal afterwards that I wanted to just put out there and see how, what you guys thought about it. So the first was, this is Beal after the game. I have no words uh, besides embarrassing. I was frustrated when I had to go back in. This should have been a game where the starters get their rest plain and simple. And then the next one, which is even better, uh, talking to, I believe it was Chris Miller. He's like, I can be better on defense. Like I can stop complaining to refs and get back on defense and help my team on defense in terms of what he could do to help his team right now. Mm-hmm. We're 50 games into the season and the guys, a, a Beal before the season was saying, I want to be on one of the all defensive teams. 50 games into the season, he's now saying, I could get, I could help by just playing defense. I mean, where that's, that's a huge issue. His comment after saying like being irritated that he has to check back in when the starters are all of the ones who have, if you look in like net negative ratings, all the starters are the ones that are like losing when they're on the court. They're, they're the ones who got blown out by the Celtics. And, you know, apparently Beal, who was on the court, actually while the lead dropped from, went from 35 to 17, was irritated that he had checked back in in the fourth quarter. It was like, well, you were on the court when Coffee and Kennard had like 30 points in the third quarter. So yeah. what are you complaining about? Um. That defense stuff, it's like uh, I, I've made a joke to Kevin before. Like, Bill has spent all of his uh, virtual currency on offense. Like, right, he he's tapped out. To, to do defense, he'll have to go in debt. But that's the problem. That's the problem with, like, upbringing. No one's taught, like, both sides of the game. He is who he is. He'll never be a great defender. That was about a bunch of, like, hogwash. Uh, and we get it. It, it was more so – it was more so comforting to hear that because like it was him taking accountability like hey my defense has been ass i'm going to try to you know make a first team all defense uh make first team all defense no one believed them no one seriously believed them now the the second part of that comment uh in terms of like getting back instead of complaining to the referee that's like an ego thing right like even uh like, I mean, even in, like, your your standard pickup games, if, like, you're fouled and you don't get the call, you're like, hey, blah, 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 what, what the what the F are we doing here? But getting back, it's like no one's challenging him on it. Like, in any other gym in the world, if you're not getting back on defense, someone's ripping into you, like, hey, you're setting us up to for a power play to be run on us. And mm-hmm. no one's doing that, which um, I'll get first comment in terms of like why he shouldn't have went back in the game. Like, you know, that old adage, the NBA is a game of runs. Like, surely when we were up 35, no one thought we were going to beat them by 50. At best, I thought like I actually went to the gym at halftime thinking, OK, we're going to win by like 10 or 15. We, we've done enough to to get, you know, over the hump. However, it's true. If we're going to put backups in. Let them go, like, let them outscore us by 20, but let's score some. Like, you know, like, let's keep it, let's, let's keep it within a reasonable uh, round. So if they, they cut the lead to 17, it's because they dropped 40 in a quarter and we only dropped 25. And if you do that over the pace of the two quarters, then sure. So, like, I, I wasn't really, I wasn't really uh, too concerned with that comment, but what it did uh, reveal to me, at least, was that, 
this team has no togetherness about them anymore. That 10 and three fluke start was what it was. This is not like a, a cobble collection who come together for a common goal. Instead, it's like, it's a collection of mid who may like everyone's trying to do their own thing. And I, and I know you mentioned like expiring contracts, but you also have to consider like Kuzma wants more money. He's looking at, I'm the second best guy on the team. And in two years, I'm trying to get double what Dinwiddie got. Like, that's just how it goes, right? And so I, I, I don't mind that comment uh, at all. He should not have come back in the game. That's more on West to me. Like, uh, West blew that lead, not um, any players. Like, playing Trezzle, for whatever he gives you, he gives up just as much on the other end and stuff like that. So that, that that's my spill on it. Um, but the final conclusion is, Bill Commons just revealed that there's no togetherness about this team. And that's way more scary than uh, giving a guy than debating over whether a guy deserves 200 plus million. Yeah. So my take on those is, well, a couple of things. One, I mean, I mostly agree with what you guys have been saying. Um, I disagree a bit with Bill. I mean, yeah, it would be nice if he gave more effort on defense, that if he wouldn't like completely die on screens. I mean, he died on one screen when the big was trying to set a slip screen. And he'll still die on it. So, yeah, sure. He could definitely play more and come, stop complaining to the refs. Hey, get back on defense. Great. The big thing he can do to help this team is play better on offense. Um, I mean, that's that's what he's there for, right, is is that is his that is his thing. That If you're going to try to build around him, you need him to score, you need him to create for his teammates. He's below average in terms of offensive efficiency. He's shooting 30% on threes. You know, if, if he wants to help the team, start making 38% of your threes, right? Start start scoring, uh, you know, in the in the high 30s in, in, in per 100 possessions and, you know, on plus efficiency, you know, where league average is 110, get, get up 113, 115, somewhere in there. You know, score, bring the offense, bring the thing that made him an all-star, that got him on all-NBA last year. It's like, yeah, if he plays defense, at an even average level, then that's a bonus, right? But yep. just even being below average on defense, if he can be the, the dangerous weapon that he was the past two, three years, then, you know, the team is, a, is, is better because then he's, he's an actual threat. He can do things and his teammates then have more room to operate. That's the way it works. But now, you know, teams can defend him and they can defend him effectively you know, you can blitz him. He he's still slow getting the ball out of the out of his hands. He you know for a half he did it beautifully against the Clippers. Clippers were blitzing and he was passing out of that and it, it quickly. And then in the second half he went right back to holding the ball, trying to split the doubles. Just pass the freaking ball. Yeah. So, but to me that's like it, they need Beal to play the way he did last year and the year before. And I think that's the issue. Like if he, if he was great on offense, you could overlook some of the things, but now he's just not great on offense anymore. And he's as terrible as he's kind of been the last few years on defense. So you add that all together and it's just an issue. So like one of the, the one of the issues that I've like con contemplated, let's uh, kind of going on to like what we would do with his next contract or would we sign him to a supermax? and kind of going back to Ron, your original question, like have they built around him? How do you build around a player who is, I think he'll be 29 next year when the Supermax kicks in. How do you build around a player who is going to be 29, a little bit of an undersized two, 
ball handling has improved, but he still loses the ball. His three-point shot has gone away. He still he turns it over. He's not the easiest fit because he's not the off-ball player that he was earlier in his career. He's turned into an on-ball player. Mm-hmm. Like, so who do you even put around him, number one? And then I guess number two, my second question to that is, if you're not willing to invest or a supermax, whatever, how do you even approach this? Because now we have the deadline in two weeks or you have the summer, like you could do a sign and trade in the summer or do you just let him walk? Like, how do you even, like, if you want to build around him, how do you build around him because of the player he's become? And if you don't and you want to move on, how do you move on? Okay, like, uh, I'll, I'll be quick. Um, to, to build around him, like somehow we have to give Dim Whitty up out of here, right? Like, <laughs> I, I think uh, I hopped in that Wizards space after that loss, and them, them boys wow Al Gore's internet. So I, I won't repeat some of the colorful <laughs> language they said, but one guy was like, pack his shit up, right? Like, pack his shit up now. And um, you, you, you try to do that, right? Because, like, Bill, the best way forward is putting him at the one. Like, you all, you all talked about that on the previous uh, three-point three um, podcast. And like that's that's a good start, right? Because players who want to play with someone at the guard, it's like, can you can you be serviceable with the jump shot if I kick it open? Like technically, if we if we build around him the right way, he'll get open shots. The second thing is um you need to go get a wing. Like someone who so build at the one, a wing at the two, three, or four, or however you want to phrase it, and then like a big guy. Like we we have to like him. Him and Gaffer doesn't quite work. And, and I actually, I tweeted out, like, you know, I miss Robin Lopez because we can just throw it down to him and get an easy bucket when the game gets mucked up, right? So you need, like, a big. Like, Bill Bill is a part of that, like, big three at the one, 304, or maybe at the two, but, like, someone definitely taller than him. So you're talking, like, a, a, a large, a six seven six six type point guard, and then you get a big man. And that like tripartite system, I think Bill thrives. Now, to your to your second point, um, what do we do without him since it's not working? I I I I've seen like some trades where you know he's going to Philly with Embiid and Sacramento is getting uh, Simmons and we're getting a, a huge crop of draft picks and more mid coming back. Like I, I think like some of the players were Harrison Barnes or and uh, picks right. Like, I, I wouldn't be opposed to that because technically y- you look good on the outcome. Like, we got five first-round picks, i.e. a better opportunity to fail because our GMs have failed. Like, they failed my whole life. They're ruined basketball for me outside of Gilbert Arenas and Hibachi. That's that's the best spot. So, uh, I, I think you do something like that. You you definitely you, – you pair Bill with, like, a big man – where he can thrive or maybe send him to Golden State. Who knows, like, if, if they still view him as serviceable. But, yeah, you get him out of there and you get the best return for yourself. But if you want to build around him, you you put him at one, you get rid of what you have, and you try to find, like, a wing and a dominant center so you have an ecosystem that works for all three. Yeah. So, to me, it's, like, basically you build a team around him that Iverson had and you treat him kind of like Iverson if you're going to try to build around him but I think it's not wise to, to build around him. And <laughs> I would trade him and get as much, as much as I could. Even if like, I saw a tweet. Hold like, on. We, uh, we, we're, we're coming up on this on a hard stop here. So we'll give the last word to, to Oz here. Okay. 
So I think, yeah, I appreciate you guys taking it. You know, obviously this is your having me on and talking over this three point play topic. I think it's an important one for the future of the org. Uh, they got to figure out what to do. And, and really, I think what it comes down to is Beal and Tommy Shepard and Ted Leonsis, because obviously he's going to be involved in any decision, have to come together, figure out, can they make it work? Can they not make it work and be real with each other? They can't keep placating each other saying, hey, let's give it another year, another year. You're wasting everyone's time involved. Come, be adults, say, like acknowledge if it's not working, acknowledge it. If, it. if you think it can work, figure out how to make it work, but then let's stop the narrative every year. Of what can we do? Like, it's just getting tiring listening to Brad say every year, I'm evaluating, I'm evaluating. Make a commitment or don't make a commitment.